Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast of the teaching at Life Journey Church in Crozet, Virginia. We believe that the gospel really is good news, that the blood of Jesus worked, and that Jesus meant it when he said, it is finished. In Christ, we are dead to sin and alive to God, forgiven and free, clean and close, holy and beloved, blessed and made new. If God is doing something special in your life, we would love for you to tell us about it. You can simply email us at info at lifejourneyva.com. One of the reasons we are able to provide these weekly podcasts is because of the generosity of people like you. If you would like to support the proclamation of the gospel of the grace of God, you can make a donation now on our website, lifejourneyva.com. Yeah, one of the lost arts of the Christian faith, I think, is pondering. You know, remember how I said Mary pondered these things in her heart when uh, she heard these things about her son, about Jesus? She pondered these things in her heart. Um, Pondering or meditating on these revelations, on the things of the Spirit, is super powerful. Super powerful. The enemy... The enemy tries to throw noise at you and I all the time and keeps us, tries to keep us busy, busy, busy all the time because he doesn't want you to stop and ponder. It's very powerful. It's like digesting food, meditating and pondering, um, chewing the cud. The scripture talks about chewing the cud. Uh, Jesus said it this way. He said, let what I'm saying to you sink down in your ears. He said it that way. Jesus said that. Let it sink down in your ears, which means it implies it takes time sink down in your ears. In other words, let it really go inside us deep. Ponder it. Think about these things. Very, very powerful. Pondering is, I'm telling you, it's huge. You would think it's that big a deal. It's a huge deal. It will cause you to hear awesome things, and without the pondering that goes along with it, you'll lose it or forget it, and you won't get the benefit of it. But if if you'll ponder it, what God speaks to you, not just today, but I mean, any t- all, our whole life, as God speaks things to us, just ponder, ponder it, ponder it, and watch what happens on the inside. It's a dynamic in the spirit. It's a spiritual dynamic that that is seen in food, in eating food. We chew, and then we swallow, and we enjoy the chewing. In the same way, pondering is an enjoyable thing. Just like we love to eat good food, spiritual food is the same way. We can we can actually ponder the things. It's like, it's like rich food. It's awesome spiritual food. And then we can, you know, it makes it, becomes part of our being. Like when food is eaten and digested, it becomes part of our being. So anyway, it's, just, it's awesome. Pondering is so important to, um, to have as part of our lifestyle, a lifestyle. And that requires, you know, shutting out the noise at times and taking walks and um, getting up early. Maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes getting up early before the noise and and just be, being quiet. You know, I think Jesus loved to get up in the morning early. And um, I believe this. I believe that the number one thing Jesus had on his mind when he got up to just be with the Father, the number one thing I believe he did was to just be loved by the Father. First thing, first thing I try to do in the morning before I start thinking about all this stuff I got to do, first thing I try to do in the morning when I wake up, God has taught me to first thing, is let him love on me. It's so cool. And that sounds selfish, but it's not because you can't give what you don't have. You must take care of yourself first in terms of receiving life, receiving nourishment from God, or you have, or you're, or we're no good for anybody else. We can't help others. It's kind of like that, you know, when you're in an airplane, you know, when you see the oxygen mask fall, you know, if you have children, put it on your, yourself first. 
then you put it on your children because otherwise you're going to go out and you're not going to be able to help your children. Same, same thing. You know, you have to receive from the Lord first and then you have, a, have to give to others. Receive from Him. So you have to receive that love. You will love others as you see God loving you. And so as you, in the morning, man, just make it a habit, try to make it a habit to first thing with the, before you think of all the things you got to do that day. Just even if it's just laying in bed and not even getting up, just, just lay there and let the, let the Lord love on you and just ponder His love. Ponder that His mercy is new every morning. Ponder that He, the God of Israel, neither slumbers nor sleeps, and He's been watching you all night. Just watching you. Can't wait till you got up. Watching over you, shepherd over His sheep. Awesome. And then just let that love, bask in that love. I think that's what Jesus did a lot. He, he did a lot of just basking in the love of the Father. He's, he said things like, the love, the love of, of my Father is always with me. The love the God, God always, my Father is always with me, for He loves the Son. He said, He loves the Son. He's always with me. He said, awesome, it's awesome. These are, the, these, are, these are your, this is our inheritance. This is your inheritance. So, anyway, all right, before we take any questions, I want to, just, just real quick, I want to remind you of the big thing. The big thing is that God terminated the Adamic race and created a whole new person, and now that new creation is walking around in the body of the old creation. And the new person is complete with a new heart, soul, and spirit, such that when you leave this body, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Nothing else needs to be done to make you fit for heaven. The only thing that's keeping you from walking into heaven now manifestly, because you actually are in heaven now in, this, in the heavenly realm, but the only thing that's keeping you from walking manifestly and seeing with your own eyes the heavens is your body because you're joined to this body. But because you have been created new, because you have passed from death and into life, because eternal life now abides within you, because you have uh, the, the new heart God has given you, because as Jesus is, so are you now in this world. Now, the Scripture says, all those things. Though we don't see everything perfectly, we see through a glass darkly because we're in these bodies, the moment you leave the body, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we are to live every day in these bodies as one who has already died and gone to heaven. We've already died and gone to heaven. Seated with them in heavenly places. It's awesome. And that's what it means to walk by faith. So, so what happened was when we believed, we, we used to be in the flesh, in this body, joined to it, dead in spirit, and God literally cut away the body of the flesh. And this inner man, soul and spirit, was given the life of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit touched human spirit. Holy Spirit touched human spirit. He was joined to the Lord as one spirit, Paul says. And that flow of life overflowed and surrounded and encompassed the person, soul and spirit. The new creation was raised from the dead. And I, God showed me as, as a picture in my mind, God showed me that it was like a, a blue flame. There's a blue flame separating you from your body, if you can see it in the spiritual. 
Yes. That's it. I mean, that's, and it's, it's like you are so protected, you have no idea. For our life is hidden with Christ inside of God. So anyway, that's, that's just keep, keep that in mind. That's, that's what is the reality of, of the new creation, of the new covenant um, secures this reality because of what Jesus accomplished and awesome. So let's, let's take some, some questions if there's any questions. Well, we had one question during the break. I want to just, um, one question was, um, can you give us an example of, you know, how to, I guess, practically live this out or when there's a problem or when there's a situation, how do you practically walk it out and so forth? And it's kind of hard to, to do it, com, com, you know, completely in detail because it's a, this is such a spiritual thing and everybody's different, but you can kind of show what it looks like person said, can you show me kind of what it looks like if, if you go through a problem? How do you, what does it look like? And I guess one example would be, you know, say that, um, say, you, say you do sin somehow as a believer. You do something that you know is, is fleshly and sinful. Uh, it could be, you know, you cheated on your taxes or something. You know, you didn't pay all your taxes and um, whatever it may be. And how do you walk through that? You know, do you just ignore it? Um, do you just say, I'm righteous anyway, so it doesn't matter? You know, how do you, how do you respond to that? And what I would say is anytime we realize that we, we've walked after the flesh, um, and, and the reason why you know that you've walked after the flesh is not because the Holy Spirit has convicted you of sin. See, it's the law that convicts of sin. What happens what happens is you become aware of what is not like God. See, because as a believer, you're walking in the Spirit, and you, you, you and I are, are coming to know Him as He is. And so the more you come to know Him as He is, you recognize what is not like Him. Yes, like the counterfeit money. Exactly. Like the counterfeit money example, you, you don't study all the counterfeit money to learn all the possible counterfeit money that may be out there. You just study the real thing so that when the counterfeit comes, you know, that's not God. That's not the money. That's whatever. That's exactly right. So what we do is we focus on, on Jesus himself and our new person in him. And when that comes, when we end up doing things, as Paul says, the thing I hate, um, we realize that's not God because we come to know who God is. But it's not the spirit convicting. I hate that word convicting for a believer, and that's okay. It's a good word for an unbeliever because the Spirit does convict the unbeliever because they're guilty until they receive Christ. Um, but the believer is never guilty. It's a, that's a legal term. Convict, conviction means you've been decreed, adjudicated, guilty. Never use that term as a believer that the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin. Never use that. You'll not find that verse anywhere, anywhere in the New Testament. The apostles never speak like that. We should speak like the apostles spoke. So, don't ever say that the Spirit convicts me of sin or whatever, because that's working against what the Spirit is trying to tell us. What happens in reality is that it's like this. It's like you're driving in fifth gear in a car, and you're going down the highway, and you, if, you gear, if you switch to third gear, it's going to be like, like, you feel it. That's the way it is. When you're walking in the life of God, and you find yourself walking after the flesh, you feel a resistance. Like, you feel this. It's not the Holy Spirit convicting you of sin. It's this life is missing. 
You feel a, a drudgery or something. It's like a push. You're like, wait, wait, what is that? It's like, that's a shadow. Yes. Yeah. It, you, feel, you, you feel a difference in the, in the walk because you're, used to, you're learning how, to, I'm learning how to walk by life, by his life. And, I, and I'm learning who he is. So when I find myself, you know, doing something that's not like him, like cheating on the taxes or whatever it may be, then I realize, ah, that's not, that's not uh, Christ-like. So what do I do with that? I don't also, I don't also say I need to confess that sin so I can get that sin forgiven, forgiven so I can get cleansed again and get back right with God again. You don't do that either. You don't make yourself a transgressor either in need of further forgiveness and cleansing and all that. So what you do is simply say, wow, you know, that's not, that's not like you, Lord. And you repent, change your mind of doing that. That's where repentance is good. You change your mind about, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to cheat on my taxes. You know, God's working in me both to will and to do according to his good pleasure, and that's not his good pleasure, and I don't want to do that. So God is working in us, and we change our mind about it. That's all repentance means, change your mind. And we decide not to do that. And then you, then you thank God. You don't try to get back right with God. You don't try to get cleansed again. You don't try to get righteous again. You don't try to get anything. You just thank him. Thank him that, you're, Lord, you're teaching me how to walk with you like you walk. Thank you that you're always with me. Thank you that this, was, this sin was already forgiven uh, before I even committed it. Uh, thank you that this sin is not being held against me because I'm not under law but under grace. And where there is no law, sin is not imputed. So that's a practical way that I would work it out. And you basically are thanking God for the forgiveness you already have. And you may need to change your mind on whatever action you were going to take because now you realize that's not really the love of God, whatever it is. That's not the love of God. I'm not going to do that. And that's evidence of God working in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure because we're allowing the revelation of Christ to grow in us such that the Spirit is putting to death the deeds of the body. Does that make sense? So it's really simple. It's not a heavy-duty thing. It's just a matter of walking with him and talking with him. And um, It's certainly not wrong to share, share all our faults with him share all our sins with him that we find ourselves struggling with. That's, that's an awesome thing. We can share our faults one with another, pray for one another. The Scripture says that we can be healed and learn how to grow in the Spirit and grow in grace. See, a, a church that truly understands the, the new covenant and the grace of God and the new creation, a, a church that really understands that should be a safe place to share our faults, our weaknesses, and encourage each other and pray for each other because we're all just as righteous as each other. There's no one more righteous. There's no one more holy, and we all have the flesh, and we all have the power of sin. So, I mean, we're all in this thing together, and it's like when you really understand the gospel, it's like a freedom to really be, feel safe and share, and people pray for each other, and no one, no one looks down at each other, anybody because of some struggle they're going through. Paul says, no, no man after the flesh anymore, but only after the Spirit. So we see each other only by the Spirit. We see each other as the new man in an old body, of the old creation, a new creation that is inside these old bodies, a new creation that's trying to learn how to live by another's life, which is Christ. We all stumble in many ways, but we're learning together. We pray for each other. We encourage each other. We comfort each other. We forgive. We forbear with one another. See, all those things that love does until the fullness of the Son of God is manifested in the body as we grow from faith to faith and so forth. But there's no sense of of, of 
that someone's more holy than another, or more righteous than another. No, no man after the flesh anymore, but after the Spirit. That means that even the unbeliever you know after the Spirit too. It says, no, no man, no man after the flesh anymore, but after the Spirit only. That means that if you're in Christ, you're as righteous as Jesus is, and I'll know you as that, and I will relate to you as that, as my, my brother, my sister, who is as righteous as God is righteous, as we both try to figure this out. Yes. It is. It's very simple and very profound. I had a brother come to me one time where he had really messed up on, on something, and, and, um, and God helped me to see him after the Spirit and totally accept him with no condemnation whatsoever. It changed his life. He had never experienced complete acceptance in the midst of utter failure with no probation. Look, God's not into probation. Peter really messed up. He denied Jesus. He messed up. He cursed. He you know, lied about not knowing him. And all. There was no probation. No 40 days. He cooked breakfast for Peter on the beach. He had Peter be his spokesman at Pentecost. There's no probation with God. But you know why? Because it's not about your track record. It's not about your performance. It's about him, what he did, what you see, what you don't see. It's all about that, see? So anyway, most, one of the most powerful things, the most God-like things you can do on earth is to embrace and accept someone who comes to you in their failure and have a complete acceptance of them as a person, seeing them after the Spirit if they're a believer in Christ. And if they're an unbeliever, see them without the life of God. So why do you expect them to live any differently? Know all, know all men after the Spirit. They either have the life or they don't have the life. They're either alive or they're dead. They're either righteous or they're unrighteous. So even the unbeliever who comes to you, you embrace and accept as God has so loved the world and try to lead them to the good news that they might receive life. But to the, and to the believer that fails and comes and by accepting them completely, it'll change their life. You know what was the, the thing that really rocked the world when Jesus walked the earth? Everybody recognized Jesus as a holy man. They all did. In fact, even Jesus said, which of you convinces me of sin? Which, which of you can point us sin in my life? He wasn't bragging. He was just saying, everybody knew that. They knew that this guy, they even tried to catch him in, in sins and tried to make him do things, and he didn't do them. And he's like, he's like this guy is unbelievable. He's, like, he's really holy. What was the dynamic that rocked the world was perfect holiness, and everybody knew it. That he, was, he wasn't faking. He was the real deal. Perfect holiness would let a prostitute wipe his feet with the tears of her eyes, with her hair. Nuclear. Nuclear. 
If he knew what kind of woman this was, he would not let her touch him. Holiness, white-hot holiness, embraced the prostitute, allowed her to wash his feet with her tears. And he lifted her up and said, O woman, may your sins be many. They are forgiven all. Go in peace. Your faith has healed you. You know? That's the thing with Jesus. It was complete, utter holiness, embracing darkness, embracing loving darkness, loving the fallen, loving the broken. This Messiah, the Scripture says, will be one who will not break the bruised reed. He will not put out the smoking flax. He will not take the bruised reed and discard it because it's not good enough. He will mend the bruised reed. He will not put out the smoking flax and say, that's not good, let's use a new candle. No, he'll make it glow again. This Messiah will be so gentle, he will carry his lambs in his arms. See it? And that's you to the world and to your brother and sister in Christ. It's a powerful, powerful impact. This brother who had this failure, he said he never will forget that. He had never had another believer accept him like that in the midst of his failure. And you and I have a chance to do that. Every time a brother or sister comes to you in some kind of problem or failure, to completely accept and lead them to see God's love and God's way out and stuff. It's powerful. It's the way of God. Anyway, so that's one example. I would say that's how it looks. Is there Any other questions? It, uh, it's a little after 12 now, so we, we can begin to wrap it up. But any question that I can? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I am so glad. I'm so glad you brought that up um, because I have been saying this for years on my, my audio tapes and stuff. If you have an NIV, please get rid of it. <laughs> and the reason why is because they actually changed the NIV because it was such a complaint about this Romans verse. There's a new NIV that changes that, I think. But I still don't trust it. Because there are other verses that I don't trust. The NIV is a, is a book that the big money people marketed this book big time. That's why everything defaults to NIV. You look at anything, NIV comes up. Any Bible teaching thing, NIV comes up. It's, it's a big, I believe it's a big money thing behind this book. And it's not accurate. It's not a good translation. It is an interpretation of Scripture. Good example is in Romans the word sarks in the Greek is flesh, sarks. It's, it's translated flesh everywhere else, but the NIV translates it sinful nature. And that makes Romans 7 sounds like you have two natures. You don't have two natures. You don't have two natures because you don't have two fathers. You don't have, you're not a two-headed monster. It's not your nature to sin. You've, you're now a partaker of the divine nature. You can't be a partaker of the divine nature and, a, and have a sinful nature. There is no verse that says you have a sinful nature if you're a believer. We had a sinful nature when we were unbeliever, but there's a new nature that has come because there's been a new father who has 
given birth to you, a new creation. It's all new. So Romans 7, NIV says sinful nature when it should say flesh. But there are other things in the NIV I don't like. So just be careful about those, the NIV translations because you don't, want to, you don't want someone interpreting things for you. You want to read the, act, the actual translation of what the Greek, what the Hebrew is saying. And I recommend the New American Standard, the NASB. As of this time, it's probably the closest translation without any interpretation of doctrine. So I, I, I use the NASB, but... Uh, yep. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because... I. I, it's something you got to be careful of. You don't have two natures. We have one nature. Yes. Hey, Will, take care. We're about to wrap it up. All right. Oh, good. Cool. Okay, good. Yeah, I like NASB. It's not the only one that's good. There's several really good ones out there. And, there's, and I actually look at different translations all the time to get the gist of some verse sometimes. Like the 26 translation one, you can look at 26 different translations and all. And there's nothing wrong with that. But as far as the best translation and not someone interpreting what the verse is saying, uh, NASB I think is the best. You mean this this morning? Well, actually, it's actually a, a common occurrence. <laughs> you plan the best you can, yes. and and you you know you see you listen to the spirit like where what direction to go. And I try my best to follow the Spirit and go and not just stick with the outline. If, if the Spirit says, go here, do this, say that. So, yeah, it does change. And so what happened was I just really, I really do try to just go with the flow. And otherwise, if I just stick to an outline, it's, it's, it loses power because that's not what God really wants me to say at that moment. But that's what it is. But I do start out with trying to get an idea of where I'm going. Like Sunday, I thought I knew where I was going. Now I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. That's awesome. So you feel peaceful. Your body rests. That's awesome. Peaceful. That's funny. Oh, that's good. That's good. You know, I had I had some friends of mine that um like remember Larry Lindsay. Larry Larry used to um our friend Larry used to have trouble sleeping sometimes and he would listen to the teaching tapes to put him to sleep. I took it as a compliment, you know, it's like because it, it, re- it relaxed him, he began. To, he just started thinking heavenly realities and the love of God. And he just fell asleep, so that's a good thing. 
Yeah, that's right. The body sleeps, but the, that's why you have dreams in the night, visions in the night. God speaks to you in the night because your spirit never sleeps. So I do kind of know what I'm going to talk about, Walt, so I don't want you to worry. I'm making some notes, I'm making some notes for you right now. I know. Walt's got, I got some suggestions. Now, I, I kind of know, but I just like to, um, you know, sometimes you have to move with, with uh, a different thing, and it's, it's best to go with the Spirit and not just stick to your outline if you... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I saw that show. Like they said, brush your teeth and whatever. Yeah. And it's on the board or it's not on the board. Yeah. Really? The number one answer? That's good. That's, that was a good family feud crowd. Yes. <laughs> Some of those crowds can be kind of risque with their answers. Yeah. That was a good crowd. That was when the church was visiting. That's cool. That's awesome. Well, you guys, thanks so much. And um, looking forward to tomorrow morning. It'll be cool to worship together and see what God's going to say. But really appreciate it. I feel from you guys such love and encouragement, and I feel such a receiving, and it's just so cool. And I, I believe that this is really powerful um, because each one of you guys are going to teach others and share with others, and not only in your own personal life, I believe more and more we're all going to learn more and see more, and it's just awesome. So thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in the morning. Thank you again for listening to today's podcast of the teaching at Life Journey Church in Crozet, Virginia. We'd love to hear from you. If God is doing something special in your life, let us know by sending an email to info at lifejourneyva.com. Feel free to pass today's teaching on to any friends and family that you'd like, but please don't change any of it or charge for it. This podcast is made available for free as a ministry of Life Journey Church. If you would like to support the proclamation of the gospel of the grace of God, you can make a donation now on our website, lifejourneyva.com. Have a great day.